the culture was always within me. You know, I'm in a home where my parents are speaking the language with me. I'm eating the food. I'm going to the Haitian churches. I'm just, I came here with uh, still that big sense of pride. Like I'm Haitian, you know, but here in Ghana, they don't really understand almost like the Haitian American, the Jamaican American, the, (laughs) you know, so to them, you're just black American, period. It wasn't until I sat in my class, um, it was an African area studies class last term, when my professor was like, show me your Haitian American passport. Mm. And I sat and I was like, I don't have a Haitian American passport because I'm an American. Mm. So I will say identity for me here in Ghana this time around, this year coming back, definitely is a personal journey and something I'm still looking more into, figuring out how I feel. Um, Because that question really got me thinking. Yeah. Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Christina as the guest. I didn't realize until I was putting this episode together that for the guests of episodes 90, 91, and 92, I've had Kirsten, Kristen, and now Christina. (laughs) Didn't plan on having people with such similar names on the show back to back, but... That's just how it happened. So, you know, that's a funny little coincidence. <laughs> uh, but anyway, about Christina. Christina is a travel writer and travel lifestyle blogger who currently lives in Accra, Ghana. We spoke a lot about Ghana in general terms, but she does indeed live in Accra, which is the capital and biggest city there. The blogging part of what she does is called Being Christina Jane. And I have to go back in time a little bit to tell y'all how I know Christina. So for episode 35 of this podcast, I interviewed a woman by the name of Aaliyah Harris. And Aaliyah Harris founded um, her own scholarship fund called Diverse International Women of Color, which is geared at college students who are women of color studying abroad. And Christina was one of the very first recipients of that scholarship uh, back in 2019 when she went to Ghana for the very first time. And then also because Christina benefited so greatly from receiving that scholarship and was so moved by Aaliyah's mission that she wanted to get more involved, uh, Christina then joined the board of directors for Diverse International Women of Color as the Director of Application Reviews. And so that's how she and I got connected. Um, You might remember, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I spoke last year about reviewing scholarship applications and how two of the people whose applications I reviewed were selected to receive scholarships from Diverse International Women of Color, and I felt really great about that. Well, Christina was the point person for that. So yes, that's how I know Christina. And as I mentioned, she first studied in Ghana as an undergraduate student. She's originally from Florida and she started out at an HBCU for her undergraduate studies. And the it was a very small percentage of the student body that was going abroad anyway. Uh, but even of that student body, 
most people were going to Europe. Christina didn't want to go to Europe, she wanted to go somewhere different. And even though she didn't have any connection to Ghana or anything, for some reason it was just calling her name. And so she studied in Ghana for two months over a summer in 2019. And that was a wonderful experience. That was her first time traveling abroad by herself. And that also kicked off her travel blogging because as she was recording and documenting her experience, especially on social media, uh, more people became drawn to it and were learning about Ghana through uh, what Christina was showing of her experience. So that's basically how she got started in travel blogging, travel writing, influencing, that kind of thing. And then of course she returned to the States and finished up her bachelor's degree and was looking for opportunities to pursue a career in international development. And that's how she came across the Charles B. Rangel Fellowship, which uh, basically pays for fellows to earn a master's degree in exchange for fellows working for the U.S. Foreign Service for five years. So Joe from episode 40 earned a Payne Fellowship. That's a similar deal. Katrina from episode 61 earned a Pickering Fellowship. That's another similar deal. And for Christina, it's the Wrangle. So as of August 2021, she has been living in Ghana, pursuing a master's in international relations, and she's going to be there for for two years. So <laughs> we talked about how that's been going so far and how her first experience in Ghana compares to now uh, because studying in a place and living in a place are very different as she explained to me and we also talked about a little bit about identity as well because Christina is the child of Haitian immigrants was raised deep in Haitian culture growing up in Florida so I had questions for her about the concept of motherland between Africa and Haiti and also how she views her own personal journey of uh, connecting to a sense of her African roots in Ghana. So that was a really fascinating part of our conversation as well. And yeah, overall we just had a really lighthearted discussion. Christina is up to a lot, a lot, a lot of things, <laughs> as you'll hear her talk about. All very exciting, all things that she's very passionate about. And yeah, she just has so much on the horizon. Her journey in Ghana, living in Ghana this time, it's only been six months, so it's still pretty early and she has so much to look forward to. And I really hope you enjoy hearing about Christina and what she's doing now and where she's hopefully headed in the future. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Christina Presby. Well, thanks for making time to talk to me today. I appreciate you agreeing to be a guest on this show. Obviously, I am familiar with you through Diverse International Women of Color, and I'm sure we can yeah. talk about that uh, later on, if you'd like to. Uh, but of course, I really want to talk about how your time in Ghana is going so far and all that good stuff. So why don't we start 
with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Um, yes, yeah, so my name is Christina. <laughs> um, I am a travel lifestyle blogger and writer currently living in Accra, Ghana. I moved here in August of 2021 for my master's program. I'm studying international relations in hopes of eventually becoming a diplomat. And yeah, I mean, I studied abroad in Ghana in 2019. Hmm. Basically fell in love with it. I had that typical story of, you know, connecting with the roots and just coming back, being in a place with people that look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just an amazing experience. I spent two months here my first time in Ghana in 2019. And so I decided to come back for my master's. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, congrats to you on, you know, getting into grad school and, and moving to Ghana. That's all of that is... Um, a feat in and of itself. So congrats on being able to make all that happen. And um, yeah, I mean, how do you how do you feel that things are going so far with your, your life in Ghana? Um, <laughs> yes, so I have so many thoughts and feelings around what this time looks like for me here. And sometimes it's honestly hard to put into words because I feel like I keep saying this, but living and Visiting Ghana are two very different things. Mm. You know, I was here for two months in 2019, and even that couldn't have prepared me for what life in Ghana actually looks like now that I'm here. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think I'm five to six months in now. (laughs) It's February. I came in August. And I just feel like I've been tried and tested, but at the same time, I'm, like, having the best time of my life. Mm. (laughs) And I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. Um, I just love it here. I love the quality of life that I have. I love that I wake up excited every morning Mm -hmm. um, because that was definitely not the case with my life back in Florida. Um, But also, you know, Ghana is not the U.S. (laughs) in the sense of like the efficiency that I'm used to, the standard of just service that I'm used to. It's all gone out the window now that I'm here. Mm -hmm. And even simple things I've had to learn how to do again. I feel like I'm learning how to live life all over again here. Mm -hmm. Um, Something as simple as like shopping and people are like, just order it online. I'm like, it just doesn't work like that. Like that's such a simple solution back home. But here it's like ordering online is a whole process. Mm -hmm. So Yes, I've had to definitely adjust in different ways. You know, some days waking up without water, electricity, mm. showering with like bottles of water, <laughs> and then going out and having like the best social life ever and just meeting people everywhere I go. So I really love Ghana and what it's done for me. Um, I feel like I'm growing a lot here, but it's definitely not without trials. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I, I was thinking about how all the transition that you would have been dealing with even if you were still in the states like graduating from university and like getting into the the workforce or whatever you know that's a lot of change but to do all that applying for grad school you know um but then to add living in a a new country even though as you mentioned you had visited it before actually living in a new country on top of all those other changes is I can imagine how it could be very challenging. <laughs> so, um, Oh, yeah, I had to, like, go through a whole apartment search in Ghana, which 
is not the same as in the States. Like in the States, you just see an apartment, you walk into the front office, right? And then you ask them to show you around. Here, it's like you have to get an agent and then you're supposed to pay that agent like 10% of your commission fee, which I've never heard of, just for you to rent a place. Mm. And then I had to buy furniture, which I've never done before. And that's a whole process. It's not just like, okay, I want this couch, deliver it here. Um, there's not even really addresses here in Ghana and most places. So you can only imagine. That's mm-hmm. just like one part of it. <laughs> so yeah, definitely an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let me, <laughs> let me back up a little bit. Um, as you mentioned, you studied in Ghana in 2019 for two months, right? Is that what you said? Yes. Um, what was it that inspired you to study in Ghana in the first place? Um, yes. So I didn't really have like a burning, interesting reason for why Ghana when I was studying abroad. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I didn't want to do the traditional like Paris, Spain. Um, that's where everyone was going in my campus. And at the time, I was a student at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, um, so FAMU in Tallahassee. Mm. And I think the statistic was like less than 1% of our student body had studied abroad. And I thought that was crazy. So I'm like, I want to study abroad. Like, I knew I wanted to go abroad before I even got on campus as a freshman. I was speaking with the study abroad office. And Ghana was just in my mind. Like, it was in my heart. I've never met a Ghanaian prior to saying I wanted to study abroad in Ghana. I just knew that, like, I wanted to go somewhere different. I didn't want to go to Europe. Um, and it felt like Ghana was calling me. I didn't know why. I didn't have any connections, any reason for why. <laughs> But yeah, that's just why I ended up going to Ghana. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did you go through um, FAMU or did you go through a different, uh, like a program run by a different university? Yes. So this is actually the really cool part is, so I was still a student there. And at the time, FAMU was connected with Webster University, which is actually the school I go to now. <laughs> So I returned oh. back to the same school. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So it was really cool because they partner with different universities and especially HBCUs now. They're getting really heavily on that. And what it is, is like they give you, they pay for your flight. There was a part of the program where they pay for your full flight. I give you like 30% off the tuition. So I was sold because originally I was supposed to go with CIEE and I decided to go with them. And it was a very small program either. It wasn't like a well-known thing, Hmm. but I just decided, yeah, to go with Webster. Um, And they have a bunch of different like global campuses around the world. So they have Ghana, Greece, Netherlands, Switzerland. Hmm. Um, So it's super cool. Okay. Wow. That's awesome how that worked out where um, you're at the same university you were at yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, since they partner with universities, including HBCUs, when you went to Ghana the first time, were there was there a significant amount of other Black students with you on that trip? No. So actually, I was the only person from my school to go to Ghana that year. Mm. And then I was also the only, like, foreigner at the school at the time when I studied abroad. So I went for a summer term for two months and yeah, I was the only person. I went all by myself and then I got here and I was all by myself, but I had such an authentic experience. Like I loved every single moment of my study abroad. Hmm. I was surrounded. So this school is actual, like I said, like a global campus. So it's not even just Ghanaians here, but it's like Nigerians, Liberians, Cameroonians, just 
everyone from neighboring African countries mm-hmm. and beyond come here. Um, so I just had a very authentic experience with not even only getting a taste of Ghanaian culture, but also some other African cultures while I was here from my classmates. Yeah. Yeah, because um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking, oh, maybe she might have felt alienated <laughs> being the only oh, um, no. foreign person there. But you're around all these other, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're in a black country, obviously, and then you're meeting all these other different um, people from other parts of Africa. So it, it balances out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it really forced me to, like, immerse myself. I wasn't, you know, oh, hey, you're American, too. Let's go do this together. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn how to do a lot alone as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, was there like a specific, like a theme to that summer program you did? Or was it based on what you were already studying at FAMU? Um, no. So because I was a freshman, I remember I was still taking like the general education courses that you take towards your AA. So like psychology, public speaking, I believe is what I took. So that gave me more flexibility to be able to study abroad because I didn't have like specific courses that I needed towards my major. Mm. It was very general. So yeah, I took like, I believe psychology and then a public speaking course while I was here. Okay. So there was no theme per se. Okay. And, um, can you describe like what a typical day was for you during that time? Oh, let me see if I can go down memory lane. Yeah, you don't have to remember Um, all the details, but, you know, just, like, paint a picture. (laughs) Yeah, so, actually, when I first got here, I remember I was just so scared to do everything because I've never been out of the country by myself before. Um, Ghana is actually where my solo travel journey kind of started, in a way, because I came... The only other time I've ever been out of the country was in 2016 for a group mission trip with like 20 other people so I flew alone and then my journey getting to Ghana was actually like any everything that could have went wrong went wrong on that trip (laughs) so it gave me the experience I mean my flight was delayed like five times and then I missed my connecting flight and then I had to you know back then I didn't know about like vouchers and all that stuff so I had to basically stay in New York airport for 13 hours then my luggage wasn't there when I arrived So that was kind of preparing me for like what travel life could look like. And then I got to Ghana and I was just scared to do anything. Like, you know, just that typical solo travel fear. Mm. Um, They're like, go exchange your money here. And I was like, no, like I need someone to come with me. Um, But the thing that I really love about my program at Webster also is that it was very independent, Mm. more independent than I thought it would be. Like when you see study abroad groups, you see everyone with like the matching T-shirts on the big bus going to all the attractions, <laughs> but like they really left me to fend for myself. I felt like, like I was expecting someone to show me around and, you know, also, but no, they were like, you know, you wake up and you choose what you want to do every day. So I remember like the first day I got the courage to do things by myself. It was, I went to the mall, the ANC mall here in Accra. It's like a small little mall. And I went to get a massage and just eat alone. So that was like my first experience. Um, and from there, I would say my days would look like I would wake up, let's say a Monday, a school day. And then my classes at the time were four hours long. So I'd be in class from like nine to 1 a.m. And then after class, I might go get something to eat at like one of the local shop bars, we call them. Um, there you have all the Ghanaian food, the jollof rice, the palm nut soup, <laughs> all of that stuff. Um, and then I'd probably hang out with friends a little bit, hang out with people on campus. Our dorms were super nice too, like big hostels. 
hostel style dorms. Um, and then I just do random stuff like go see a seamstress, get my nails done, go see like an, an attraction, maybe like um, the Independence Square or something like that. There's a lot of cool little shops here in Accra you can visit. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, just hang out with people. You're just always meeting people in Accra. So like I would go to the mall, meet someone and then maybe have dinner with them the same day, even though I just met them. Mm. <laughs> so my life was very like spontaneous here and just fun. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it. And, and you said you were kind of left to fend for yourself. So you didn't get any type of guidance, any type of like orientation, okay. nothing to read, <laughs> nothing to prepare you for going to Ghana? Okay, well, I wouldn't say completely by myself, but we got like the little um, packets before you leave the t-shirt and then like, hey, you're coming to Ghana. Mm-hmm. And then once we got here, we, I did get an orientation talking about like some of the customs, what to do, what not to do, like not use your left hand to hand people things or wave, mm. um, to be like wary of certain things like romantic initiatives, <laughs> which that, that is a big one. Mm. So, yeah, I got a little rundown, but after that, it was pretty chill. Like, okay, bye. Yep, you're on your own. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you got some, you know, things to be aware of ahead of time. But as far as the day-to-day goes, it wasn't like anyone was holding your hand or anything like that. Oh, yeah, that's no, the, not at all. Yeah, okay, I see. That makes sense. So, you mentioned how, you know, the first time you went to Ghana... Um, and I guess this applies to you living there now since you've gained more perspective, but you mentioned mm-hmm. how you had that like desire to, or like inspiration to connect with your roots that a lot of people feel. I've certainly heard a lot of people talk about feeling a sense of that when they, um, study abroad in Africa. And I was wondering because you know, it's very common for Black Americans to talk about Africa as the motherland, right? Um, but mm-hmm. I was wondering for you, because you're Haitian American, right? So I, yes. I'm not sure. Do you feel like you also have like your own motherland with Haiti? I guess since I don't have any yeah. um, roots to the Caribbean or any other country, um, mm-hmm. I wonder how that is in terms of feeling connected to your African roots or a sense of motherland? How does that, how does that play out for you? Yeah, that's a great question (laughs) because it is one that I'm currently exploring personally within myself because um, being raised in Florida, you know, being born to two Haitian immigrants, there's a sense of pride, especially in the U.S. You know, when you come from any cultural background, I feel like everyone is very prideful Mm -hmm. and they rep their home country or their parents country very proudly because you're brought up in the culture right so even though I wasn't born in Haiti the culture was always within me you know Mm -hmm. I'm in a home where my parents are speaking the language with me I'm eating the food I'm going to the Haitian churches I'm just I can't deny my culture it's literally a part of me you know Mm -hmm. I remember growing up and feeling weird like I couldn't connect with American kids at school um, I thought my family was so weird. <laughs> it no. wasn't until like <laughs> it wasn't until Haitian comedy became a thing, and like you see now a lot of cultural skits going on with like Jamaicans and people of other backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until that came into the scene, like what 2010, I would say, where like I started seeing other people that were like me. I'm like, okay, I'm not weird. Like this is actually a thing. Like we're Haitian. This is our background. This is what we do. 
Um, so there's always been a disconnect for me with Haiti because I've never been to Haiti until last year, actually, mm. was my first time because, you know, you hear all the instability going on in Haiti. And for a lot of Haitian Americans, our parents always tell us, you know, it's not safe to go. They never take us back. Mm. Um, meanwhile, I'm watching my parents and my grandparents travel back and forth to Haiti several times a year. <laughs> but they've never but taken you don't get to <laughs> Right. It's yeah. like, okay, there's always that weird, like, thing with Haiti. Um, so I finally went last year with the group that organized it with me. I still went solo, but that was my first time there. And it just, it really did feel kind of home-like, that home-like vibe. Like, for the first time, I landed in a different country, and I understood the language. I understood the food. Like, nothing was really foreign to me besides the way of life as far as, like, you know, transportation and how people move every day. But the culture was just so familiar. Yeah. And... It just felt at home. Um, so I'll say that. <laughs> and then with Ghana, when I went in 2019, I was very excited. I did like my little countdown on Instagram. Oh my God, I'm going to Aww. the motherland, the motherland, the motherland. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant for me, mm -hmm. but I just knew that everyone calls it the motherland. Like, okay, I'm going back to my roots, you know, Africa. Um, and when I came here, I can honestly say in 2019 that I was in travel mode like fun mode almost mm -hmm. so where like I didn't really fully get to even immerse myself into the roots the cultural root aspect of me being in Ghana because I was just in fun mode mm -hmm. um, and I my maturity level was a little bit not there in terms of what I know like I know so much more now than I did then and that's a big difference between like 2019 Christina and 2022 Christina so yeah. Coming back now, I came here with uh, still that big sense of pride, like I'm Haitian, you know, but here in Ghana, they don't really understand almost like the Haitian American, the Jamaican American, the, you know, so to them, you're just black American, period. You're born in the U.S., you're black, you're black American. They don't really want to hear about all the Haitian American stuff, like, what are you talking about? You weren't born there, so... Hmm. And then they might ask you, like, you know, where your roots are from as far as ancestry, um, which I still have to trace. Um, but I assume it's from Togo mm. because a lot of Haitians, you know, usually come from Togo or Benin. Oh, so wow. it, that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a long, a long spiel. No, no. I'm just listening to you. You're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. It wasn't until I sat in my class, um, it was an African Area Studies class last term, when my professor was like, show me your Haitian American passport. Mm. And I sat and I was like, I don't have a Haitian American passport because I'm an American. Mm. Like at the end of the day, my American identity overpowers that Haitian aspect or, you know, my root aspect here in Africa because I'm an American. Yeah. That's what I know. Like, that's how I move about my life every day. And it just really hit me in that moment that, like, I'm more American than I am anything else, whether I like it or not, or how, no matter how much I try to claim those other identities. So I will say identity for me here in Ghana this time around, this year coming back, definitely is a personal journey and something I'm still looking more into, figuring out how I feel what I want to identify now as, because um, that question really got me thinking. Yeah. Yeah, obviously it's really complex, and I'm sure that 
you know, you're going to continue to reflect on it and, and all that. I just, um, for, for me, for instance, or people like me who don't know, have a, a connection to another country, it's like, it makes sense to always think about Africa, um, as like, you know, where we originated from and a place we can look to toward the future as well. But it's like, if you also have another home, maybe that, maybe that need isn't as desperate or isn't as, um, overpowering as it can be um and other folks so yeah i just wanted to get your perspective on it <laughs> yeah and i was listening to someone who explained it who also moved um, from ghana and he was saying how like you know in the u.s like your blackness overpowers the fact that you are american mm-hmm. but here in ghana like your american identity overpowers your blackness almost sometimes mm. so yeah And there's the whole Pan-African thing. So (laughs) I definitely explored a lot of ideas last term in class, which is another reason I love getting an education here in Ghana, because it's not a Western education. And I can talk about these things and I can bounce ideas off and, you know, get different perspectives from people who were born and raised on the continent. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And I just realized um, when you were uh, talking just a minute ago, you went in 2019. That was the year of the return. Much promoted oh, year to yeah. return. <laughs> did you know that before you decided to go to Ghana? I did not. Um, oh, okay. I got here and I was like, oh, year of return, year of return. And even when I was here, because I came in summer, so like June and July, mm-hmm. it still wasn't this big like promotion. Like I would hear about it here and there. And then I went to the Cape Coast castles and then, you know, it was really talked about heavy there. Mm-hmm. But I guess it became more like, you know, December is like the big thing in Ghana. So maybe around December, that's when I heard all the celebrities were coming. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really big thing. But yeah, I had no clue that I was going and I'm really happy that that ended up that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it going to Ghana in such an important year for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, how did your family feel about you you know going away for two months did they have any feelings about it were they really excited for you you know what was their reaction to that um i would say that a lot of people were just kind of they didn't think i would actually go Mm. for whatever reason i don't know there's always like when i say i'm going somewhere people are like what no you're not because it was so dramatic like hey i'm going to ghana for two months (laughs) Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then um, my parents just had, I want to say sometimes there's just, you know, stereotypes attached to certain things and, you know, what you see in movies. Mm. Haitians are big in African movies sometimes. So they took some of those things, like some spiritual things they saw in movies and applied it to the real world. Not that it's not real, but that's a different story. <laughs> um So, yeah, they were a bit worried. They didn't really want me to come to Ghana, honestly. But they've Mm. also never been to Ghana, right? So I wasn't trying to listen to people who never came here. Um, So, yeah, the general opinions that I got were not the most positive, to be honest. Like, Mm. if I was someone who listened to other people's opinions and let me deter me from what I want to do, I definitely would not have went to Ghana. Right, right. (laughs) I see. Okay. I mean, based on your first experience there... Did they have a more positive opinion when you came to them being like, oh, I'm going back to Ghana for for grad school? Had their minds changed <laughs> by that point? 
Um, yeah, for sure. Um, everyone was just asking, like, what is it about Ghana that makes her want to go back? Mm. Um, wow, you really liked it that much. I think the second time around when I mentioned that I was going back for my master's, everything was pretty calm. Like, they didn't really do much until, like, you know, the time got closer to go. Then that's when they're like, do you have this ready? Do you have this and this? Mm. But otherwise, it was pretty chill. Like, people were surprised, of course, at first. But yeah, <laughs> this time around, the less negative opinions, because I already went and, you know, I brought back pictures and videos mm -hmm. and all that stuff. People are already seeing now, okay, this is what Ghana's like, so she's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And you mentioned, I remember you mentioned um, at FAMU that it wasn't a lot of, uh, it wasn't a large percentage of the student body that um, was going abroad. When you came back to to campus, was there an interest amongst like your peers and knowing what your experience was like, or was anyone maybe even motivated or inspired by you going to want to study abroad as well? Oh yeah. Um, so while I was studying abroad, I actually was very active on my Instagram stories mm -hmm. and documented like almost every day I was there. That's how that also started with travel blogging and mm -hmm. stuff. I would say in that moment, um, so I was just like unintentionally, I didn't plan it, but I just started, you know, documenting everything. And then I got people DMing me like, wow, like they have that, you know, just the common things like, oh, they have this, they have this. The common like misconceptions of Africa that they don't have nice houses, cars. People were just really surprised that this was my experience. Hmm. Um, so I unintentionally vlogged as well. I did not plan on vlogging, but I just <laughs> ended up putting together like four videos while I was here. Um, so once I got back, I actually joined like my study abroad office at FAMU as an ambassador where I went to talk to other students about studying abroad. And a lot of people were very interested and like, told me like they were following my story while I was there and they wanted to go to Ghana now mm. and I inspired them to go. So that was a really great feeling. And yeah. that's why I started documenting my travels a little differently from that moment on. So it was definitely successful in like getting other kids to go ahead and study abroad. Hmm. Mm. Well, that's that's so good to hear. Um, that you obviously were keeping a, a a record for yourself for memory's sake with the photos and the videos you were doing, but it also helped spread um, the word to other people and help them visualize what it's actually like over there, as opposed to like you said, some of the misconceptions they they had so that's cool awesome and like yeah. you said it got you started toward um travel blogging and stuff so you know that's awesome yes. as well. <laughs> yeah it was all full circle yeah for sure. um so you know you did that summer program and then finished your undergraduate studies at at what point did you decide you wanted to um go to ghana again for grad school and like i guess how how did you make that happen you know because it's yeah it's one thing to say oh i'm moving to another country but it's also i'm moving to um this other country for grad school and in, in ghana because you know a lot of times when i hear about especially americans talking about study or getting a degree abroad it's always europe like oh europe's so cheap mm -hmm. you know but how did you um decide to go to ghana for grad school and, and how did you make that happen Yes. So actually, once I realized, I actually ended up transferring schools <laughs> before my senior year, my last year. Hmm. So I already entered undergrad with a bunch of credits from dual enrollment. 
um, which is like taking classes from a college, a local college while you're still in high school. Mm -hmm. So I came in with like 20 something credits. So I was a year early. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, But I, yeah, but I wasn't supposed to, yeah, (laughs) but I wasn't supposed to graduate early at all because when I transferred, my major was social work at FAMU and then I transferred to another Florida school Mm -hmm. and my major was interdisciplinary studies. So it was completely different. So a lot of the credits didn't even transfer. So to this day, I don't know how that worked out, but we, thank God. (laughs) So once I found out that I was graduating, I found out like in the fall, I would be graduating in spring, that spring, spring. So I started looking up programs where just different programs where I could, you know, pursue my desired career field, which is like international development. Um, so I started looking at programs like Peace Corps, AmeriCorps, and I came across some fellowships called the Charles B. Ringel Fellowship Program. There's the Payne, and then there's also the Pickering. Mm, Those yeah. were fellowships that I learned about while at FAMU, but I remember when I was being told about them, they just seemed very intimidating <laughs> and a lot to do, a lot to know. And so I was, I was like, okay, I don't think this is something I apply for. But it turns out the fellowships were exactly what I wanted to do with my career, um, become a diplomat. They set, you know, people up for that. So I decided to go ahead and apply for them. Um, so I applied to all three and I went through the process for the Rango Fellowship and I ended up becoming a finalist and then eventually getting the fellowship. So, and then that fellowship allows you to do a master's program of two years at any U.S.-based institution. (laughs) And this is where I found my little loophole (laughs) with Webster. And I remember just saying, like, can I go abroad? And they were like, as long as it's U.S.-based. And if you go and look, there's not a lot of universities that are actually U.S.-based that are abroad. Hmm. Um, But I remembered, like, hey, I studied abroad at Webster, and, like, a big thing that they pushed is that they were a global campus Mm -hmm. with a U.S.-based and U.S. accreditation. So you basically graduate with a U.S. degree no matter where you are. Mm. And I was like, wait, like that qualifies because they have a campus in Missouri. So I was able to work that out with the program. And that's how I was able to not only study abroad in Ghana, but study abroad for free. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they... Okay, yeah, because you mentioned the Pickering. So it's like, if I remember correctly, obviously you can correct me on this. They pay for your grad school and then... You have to work a certain amount of years, right, for the State Department or something? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, so the Pickering and Wrangell, they'll pay for your grad school, give you stipends, and then you do, it's a five-year commitment. Mm. So keep that in mind for anyone who's thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're going to grad school for free. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. complaints. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in Ghana, so and yeah. it's a lot cheaper as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Oh my goodness! Well, congrats to, on getting that um, that's uh, fellowship, right? Fellow Thank fellowship, you. yes, yes, fellowship, um, <laughs> and um, getting to attend school for for free. I'm sure that is takes a load off of things as well. You know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. So this is also something I was wondering about is, you know, you mentioned, you just described, you know, how you got to um, 
find a loophole that allowed you to go to grad school in, in Ghana. Um, you also mentioned the travel blogging that you do. I guess, how do you, how do you balance, you know, being in grad school, learning a new country, learning life, learning how to do life in a new country and doing the, like the travel blogging and the influencing and all that. How do you, how do you balance all that? It seems like a lot. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And there's more on top of that. So, oh, wow, honestly, okay. when, I, yeah, when I first came to Ghana, I had no sense of balance. Um, my first year, I thought I was, I mean, my first month here, I thought I was on vacation mode. I thought I was a tourist because my first month I was, or my first week I was staying at an Airbnb and then I was still apartment hunting mm-hmm. and I stayed in a furnished unit the first month. So I didn't really have that taste of having to immerse myself into Ghanaian life and living and having to go through certain processes, Mm -hmm. like finding a place, buying furniture, learning how to pay for electricity. Um, So that was the best month of my life. I lived. (laughs) Um, I felt like I was (laughs) was here back again, 2019, Christina, just having fun, no worries, no stress. And I didn't really have school then. I was just starting my program. I had like two weeks free. Um, and then, you know, the second month came and I had to start searching and seeing how things are done here and how it's not straightforward. There's always some back end, always some negotiation, always a bargain that has to be done, always someone you have to pay to get things done, always a tardiness. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a lot. Mm-hmm. Like we would go out to look for apartments and be out all day with no progress. Maybe you see three places and you just spent like eight hours of your day and gas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that was really rough for me. And I would say my adjustment here was smoother than most people because I had help and I just learned a lot through the processes that I think helped my experience. But I didn't feel like I was truly getting settled in Ghana until maybe late November. Mm. I can say, yeah, and it's February. So (laughs) it took me quite a while and balance is still a struggle, honestly. It's still a big struggle for me because I'm also like a virtual assistant. So I run my own business and then I'm getting into travel writing now for publications. And so, yeah, balance is rough here. Yeah. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Wow. So you are, you are doing a lot. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. And everything I do is also Wi-Fi based. And Ghana's not known for having the best Wi-Fi. So that contributes to a lot of my, I will say, um, unproductivity. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. I'm really impressed. I didn't know you were doing so many things. <laughs> Thank you. I really need to cut some things out, but I really love everything I'm doing. So Yeah. Well, that's, that's think, really yeah. important. Yeah. I'm sorry. I cut you off. What were you about to say? Oh, it's fine. I was going to say that it's funny, too, because I did the same amount of things when I was back home in Florida, but it never seemed like a lot. But I also didn't enjoy my everyday life, right? And I didn't wake up excited, mm-hmm. and I didn't really have a social life. But here in Ghana, a lot of my unproductivity comes from just, like, always hanging out with people, always wanting to meet new people and be at certain events, whereas I didn't have that social life back home. Mm. So I'm just really grateful. It's not the best thing because I have work to do, but I also know like the alternative and what what I was living like before wasn't healthy either. Mm. So yeah, I'm so glad to hear that you are feeling um, excited about life when you get up every day and that 
you enjoy the things that you're doing, even with, um, like you said, the challenges or the things that still could use some um, mm-hmm. growth, you know. I've gotten the, the impression from what you've told me so far that you are a fairly studious person. That's how it seems. Um, mm-hmm. How are you... Was it rough going from undergrad to, to grad school? I hear all the time that grad school is really hard, and I guess I'm wondering if that... <laughs> do you share that sentiment as well in terms of... Um, how challenging uh, people say grad school is. Um, yeah, I was very worried about entering grad school, especially because I just had a very interesting undergrad experience. And when I was done with it, I did not want to be in school at all. I never thought I would get my master's. I was not interested at all. It's just the fellowship came and the opportunity came. And I was like, okay, why not? Yeah, but didn't see myself being here. So I told myself, if you're going to go through a master's program, it needs to be abroad because you've been in this Western system your entire life. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a whole thing about, I'll speak on Florida since that's where I'm from. I'm just not a fan of Florida's education system. Mm -hmm. I think I remember being in school and just learning the same thing literally year after year to the point where I just took online classes and finished like a bunch of courses in one year. So for me, I never felt like I was learning. I just feel like I was memorizing and then taking tests. Um, and that's the part that really deterred me from grad school. Because I was like, if this if grad school is going to be a 2.0 of undergrad, then I'm good. I don't really need to go. <laughs> um, but so I went abroad. And what I love about my school and what I love about the education that I'm getting is that it's just a completely different dynamic here than what I've experienced my whole life. Um, for one, with my professors, they come from all over the world. So I have one professor now who's from Italy. I had one from South Africa, professors from here in Ghana. So they bring a different perspective to my international relations program. Two, when I'm in class, it's not like this weird, awkward vibe where you're scared to raise your hand and say something. Like It's just a very open environment. Everyone has like harsh opinions and just they're really strong in what they have to say but also very respectful and it's like we're just having discussions and not arguments like I feel like classrooms can be very tense in the states from my experience sometimes Mm. Um, and it's also a very open learning environment like there is an emphasis on student focused learning here at my school so Mm -hmm. They make sure that you understand what you're learning and that you can get up and talk about it. It's not just, here's a quiz, here's a test, here's an essay. Like, they really just care about you learning and care about you. And the class sizes are pretty small, which is perfect for me (laughs) because I have concentration issues. But So, yeah, I just think I chose the right school for me and my experience is completely different. So, grad school has been amazing so far. Mm. Oh. And also, everything I learn also, and like all my classes are tied back to Africa in some way or sense because we're in Ghana. Right. So that's the other cool part. Oh, yeah, that is cool. Well, it's awesome that it's such a good fit. I think maybe that's something people don't consider, like in terms of getting into undergrad or even grad school. It's not just... Or even community college. I forgot. I left community college out. But it's not just going to a certain institution. It's does it also fit you, you know? Because <laughs> right, yeah. you can get an education at so many different places. But does it actually fit what you want and how you learn and what you're trying to get out of it? So 
Yeah, yeah I think that's something a lot of people definitely don't think about. Mm-hmm. It's just go to the school, get the degree, move on to the next level. But um, for the first time in my life, I can say I'm genuinely enjoying being back in the classroom. And I even considered, uh, you know, doctorates, oh. <laughs> which I would have never thought. So I was like, wow, this is definitely doing something to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, more power to you. That's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm we'll sure you, see. you have your hands full with your master's degree right now. Um, so uh, I guess it's one thing at a time, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, you might have said already. Is it two years that you have in Ghana? Is that how long your program is? So my program is actually a year and a half okay. um, while I'm doing full-time, but I have to be here for two years with the fellowship rules. So I, I will be doing either my capstone or just taking like extra classes during that last term. Mm. So I'll be here for two years, um, thinking about studying abroad in the fall in Greece in two months or for two months. So we'll see. Mm. Oh, okay. Do you or have you... Since, you know, you're also doing travel blogging, what I'm trying to get to is have you been able to, you know, go to other countries as well while you've been living in Ghana or, you know, maybe that's restricted due to your schedule or due to COVID restrictions? I don't know. Have you been able to go to other countries since moving to Ghana? Um, so not yet, but I do definitely want to hit a lot of the neighboring countries that are close Um, A lot of the land borders are closed, so unfortunately, it's making it like that I have to buy a $400 plane ticket just to go an hour, less than an hour, like 30 minutes. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. But I definitely see that flying to Europe, and I've never been to Europe before, so flying to Europe from Ghana is a lot cheaper than some of the other African countries. So I'm just going to try to hit as many places as I can go within the budget. Mm. Um, I'm headed to Italy in what next week oh so, yeah okay look I'll at you <laughs> for my birthday oh so, happy early birthday that's so exciting thank you so i will say that right now yes a lot of my content is going to be focused on ghana like i just want people to know if they want to visit ghana to go on my blog and they'll have a bunch of information um, and I think it's cool because instead of just visiting a place for like a few days or a week, I'm here for two years. So I really get to break things down. Like this is how you take this method of transportation. And yeah. This is where to go for this process. And this is how you buy furniture and shop for apartments. So it's really, I'm learning a lot being here with my blogging as well. Mm. And just so I heard you correctly, it, it's cheaper to fly to Europe than it is to fly to like, other African countries? Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. Um, so let's say Togo is right next door. Hmm. Um, I saw a ticket for Togo for like $500, where my ticket to Italy was $300. Oh, my gosh. And that's usually the case I've seen. So like Italy, Dubai, London are very cheap, like $400, $300. And then you start getting to Kenya and other countries, even if they are within West Africa. And it's a lot more expensive, like 600 700 so. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Do you... I thought I would be traveling around Africa more, but yeah. it's not looking too nice for me. Yeah, I, I would have thought so, too, if I were in your position. Yeah. Do you have any idea why 
that is? I mean, if you don't know, that's fine. But do you have any idea why that discrepancy in um in ticket prices? Um, I don't. I just know a lot of Ghanaians are based in London and then that whole Europe thing. Mm. Oh, like colonization <laughs> or something? Yeah. 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 So that's my just my <laughs> first assumption. But it's really not a surprise to me. The more I study here, actually, the more I'm like, okay. Mm. Oh, yeah. You were talking about like fees and inconveniences and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, like you said, uh, you at least have Italy, Italy to look forward to for your birthday and Greece potentially in the oh, not yes. so far off future. Uh, yeah, I definitely have a bunch of African countries on my list regardless. Yeah. So definitely with COVID, it's making things a little harder, but um, still definitely plan on keeping up with my international travels, even though I am based in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just being in Ghana is already an experience on its own. Right. And I'm trying to travel to so many of the other regions outside of Accra. Yeah. Um, so there's just always an adventure to go on. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, besides the places we've already mentioned, is there somewhere like in, when you can get around and out there a little more? Is there some place that you really want to get to first or that you're just really looking forward to going? I would say maybe Benin, Hmm. just because I know that so many other Haitians have linked their ancestry back to Benin. So I'm really excited to see how I feel once I'm there, to Hmm. learn more of the history. Yeah. Um, But besides that, I have so many African countries I want to go to, Senegal, Togo, (laughs) so many, Tanzania, Hmm. Kenya. (laughs) Yeah, Cameroon, like, I could go on. I really want to visit every African country, actually, eventually. Oh, that would be phenomenal if you could do that. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Because you have, like, I mean, it's a huge continent, and there's so many places (laughs) that you could go to. That would be, that. yeah, that would be phenomenal if, if you could do that. Okay. In terms of, like, future travels... Like after your program is finished, or maybe even for you know when you're in a when you're um, foreign service officer. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, is there any place that you feel like uh, you would really like to go, or somewhere that you would like to be um, sta- not stationed? Why am I losing my words today? <laughs> like assigned to go to, I guess. Yeah. Any other places you'd like to visit or even live um, for work? Oh, live. Let's see. Um, I see myself wanting to be on, I want to say in Africa, but the more, I don't know, my thoughts are just always changing. I really don't have a desired place that I want to be based at Mm. as an FSO. I know that for sure. But I I used to say that I wanted the majority of my career to be on the African continent. Mm. But I just don't know anymore. I'm really open to wherever they send me, honestly, yeah. at this point. Um, I'm really trying to improve my French. So maybe like a Francophone African country hmm. I would love to visit. But I'm really open to anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As far as living in a different country, I will say that when I went to Bali, like I would have loved to spend a little more time in Bali. Hmm. Just living there for a few months. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's a... Uh a popular one. Is there anything about it um, specifically that appealed to you, made you want to stay longer? I just like the emphasis on wellness. Mm. 
that that yeah that, that's in Bali just like spas everywhere just peace meditation yoga I just felt very at peace and I'm always looking for things to do and contribute to my wellness so mm-hmm. that really stood out to me in Bali yeah okay yeah so a lot of great ideas but um also like you said you're open to changing those ideas or you know other options that might arrive as as time goes on so yeah that's good um something else I wanted to ask is you mentioned when you went to Ghana the first time that you were the only uh foreigner at your school but you had you got to meet a whole bunch of other uh people from from different African countries and you know so you still got to meet people and whatnot as far as your life in Ghana now I'm wondering if you've been able to establish um you know a sense of community or like you know, a local friend group? Um, yeah, so Ghana is a place, thankfully, where you just meet people all the time, whether you want to or not. <laughs> um, people will come up to you and just ask, start talking to you, then ask you for your number. Um, and it's just a very friendly environment in general. So I'm always meeting new people. Meeting people is not an issue for me at all. I just struggle with, I would say, maintaining friendships with everything that I have going on sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then... Just, I feel like this is also, what I've realized here is a lot of American tendencies to just, like, not really want to bother people as much, maybe, or be the first one to reach out, or, like, all those little rules. Mm. (laughs) And I find it in myself sometimes where, like, I, how can I say this? (laughs) Where there is a sense of individualism that I think Americans have that mm. I've had to try to really shake out of myself here. Yeah. Because people are friendly, but I also have to open myself up and be receptive to that friendliness mm. and those connections and, you know, maintain those friendships. So as far as having like a group of friends, I would say I don't have that, but I definitely have a lot of different people that I can call on and always hang out with. So my friends are always like individual, I would say, but Mm-hmm. slowly I'm definitely finding people I can connect with. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it's gradual. Like you said, you said even, um, adjusting to being in Ghana took you a while. So naturally, you know, would also take time to form those, um, bonds with new people. Uh, at least you're off to a decent start and, yeah. <laughs> um, and no homesickness. I assume, or... No, I, I... Oh, do I just sound like I don't get homesick? <laughs> no, I just, you know, you seem very well adjusted, so that's why I was asking. <laughs> I I really don't get homesick. Um, what I'm feeling right now is just convenience. Like, everything I miss about home is all convenience-based. Like, mm. just missing getting deliveries in two days, missing, like, if I needed something or something broke, I just order it and it's at my doorstep. Mm-hmm missing like easy contact with institutions i'm always having a bank problem here so just being able to go to the bank and fix it or call and fix it so yeah but as far as like missing home no i don't think there's much to miss besides like um a few family members of course and friends yeah Mm. well that's real that's honest (laughs) um (laughs) and oh yes with with the first time that you went to um, Ghana, I remember you 
um, were a recipient of the Diverse International Women of Color Scholarship, right? And um, now you're on the board for that, doing, um, you're in charge of, was it director of application reviews, right? Is that it? Yes. Yeah. So that's, you know, how we connected. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Really, really great job managing that, by the way. So oh, thank you. That meant so much to me when you said that. Yeah, no, <laughs> no idea. Yeah, I meant it. Like it's been a very smooth process. Um, you know, with you letting us know how things go and giving us instructions and stuff. And yeah, it's 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 fun reading the applications anyway. But it's also nice to have someone um, in charge of it who's you know um, easy to deal with and very clear. So yeah, I think you've been doing a really great yes. job. I try. Yeah. <laughs> um. My question is, you know, how did you go from being a recipient to being on the board? Like, what made you want to be more involved with diverse international women of color? (laughs) Yeah, so I remember, I think I was the first cohort um, when Aaliyah, the founder, Mm -hmm. Aaliyah Harris, the founder, um, started promoting it. And I was just looking for scholarships. I think I hashtagged it on Instagram and it came up and I'm very big on, I actually have a whole thing about scholarships. Um, I've been applying for scholarships forever. So I love when I find like small scholarships because the opportunity is more, obviously mm. I have a better chance. Yeah. Um, so that stood out to me and I decided to apply, but I also felt really connected to her mission of helping like women of color study abroad because like I said, you know, I came from a school, HBCU, where only less than 1% of the population had ever been abroad. Mm. People don't really want to go abroad because they have that FOMO, that fear of missing out on their home campus. Yeah. And not enough people were talking about study abroad for me. So <laughs> to see, like, another black woman who went um, to China and she was talking about, like, her experience with affording it. Um, and then for me, I was also looking for scholarships to go working like two jobs to save up for Ghana. So that scholarship helped me a lot. Actually, I was super broke when I went to Ghana. That's another aspect of that whole thing in 2019. I had no money my freshman year of college. So that really saved me. That $500 I was awarded helped me to be able to have an even more fun experience in Ghana and be able to do things I wouldn't have been able to if I didn't win. So Um, I really love her mission and eventually I would love to do something similar because I had such a great study abroad experience as well and it kickstarted a lot for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I decided to serve on the board because I just really support her mission and I love what the scholarship stands for. Yeah. You not only personally benefited from it in terms of um, earning the scholarship, but you also felt Mm -hmm. moved enough to, to want to contribute you know, beyond just the the short term. Is it challenging being on the board and having those responsibilities? Um, yeah, I guess I'm wondering what you think of it, how, how, it's, how it's been going so far, having that role. Yeah, so I'm entering, I think, my first full year as a board member, as mm-hmm. a director, and I really like it. I loved, I really tried my best to make it a seamless process for the committee members. So I'm, I was like really happy when you said that because it yeah. showed. And I really like it a lot. I, I don't think it's too demanding of my time at all. It fits in pretty well. It's just now that I'm in Ghana, some of the meetings, because, you know, Eastern Standard Time is like five hours behind Ghana. So sometimes I'll be asleep like at 1 a.m. when they're having meetings at 8 p.m. <laughs> but besides that, 
Um, it's been great. You know, the application period is open from March 1st, if anybody wants to apply, mm, March yes. 1st, 2022, to May 1st. Um, so within those two months, we just accept applications, and then we go through that process, which you know will be similar this year as well. Mm-hmm. I just hope more people apply and more people are actually getting back out there with the virus. Yeah. But it's a pretty easy role, and I, I love being in that position. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, I remember that, um, yeah, I think it was supposed to launch. Oh, wait, no, because you were a recipient in 2019, I remember. And then 2020, you know, it kind of, it got canceled, basically. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Because um, I think that's when I got on for helping to review applications, but then obviously didn't get the chance because people did not get the chance to go abroad. Um, so yeah. last year was my first year getting involved with that and really like experiencing how the whole process runs, you know, and now we're, you're getting to do the whole thing again this year, which is really exciting. <laughs> I do think that y'all are doing a really great thing and I, um, I'm glad to see that you enjoy being on the board and that, you know, things are going so seamlessly. Like you said, you mentioned wanting to do something similar to like support students, uh, students of color, especially going abroad uh, in the future because of the support you've been able to receive through mm-hmm. diverse international women of color and just how impactful your first experience was studying abroad. Oh, yeah. Do you have... Of course. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, you're good, you're good. So, um, especially with men of color as well, I feel like it's so important. Um, It wasn't until, I think, last year where I saw actual black men traveling just in general Mm. um i'm so thankful for instagram sometimes because it really exposes you to a different side of things like i've never in my life seen a black man like actively traveling until about last year so i think it's Mm. important as well to get like men of color out there yeah this is like a total tangent but i think you know the actually no never mind i i I don't know the stats on it but i was gonna say that maybe it black women are like maybe there's a greater presence of black women in universities which would also mean that there's a larger presence of us in study abroad even though our percentage of study abroad as a whole is like really small um but i don't actually have the data to back that up so you can forget (laughs) i said that (laughs) but i get what you're saying you know um black men out there traveling abroad studying abroad as well it'd be really good to see and is another aspect of um, <clears throat> students that you want to support in the future. So, yeah, that's really, that's really admirable. What, if any, do you have, like, any advice for someone who would want to, um, you know, study abroad in Ghana like you have or, or even get a master's degree abroad like you're doing right now? Do you have any advice for, for someone who would want to do the things that you've done? Sure. Um, My advice for anyone wanting to first study abroad, I would say if it's in Ghana, definitely reach out to other people. And I remember I reached out to someone who I was watching her vlog about packing or what to pack, or I think hair. I was like, should I get braids or shit? Is it okay to bring a wig? Um, So things like that. Like, don't be afraid to reach out to people about their own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I love hearing from personal experiences and not just reading like a tourist site. Yeah. Come with an open mind and an open heart and just take things for what they are. 
Um, I think sometimes, well, I'll say at least for studying abroad, because living here, I've definitely had that issue with taking things for what they are, because hmm. <laughs> I think there's room for improvement in a lot of areas. Um, but definitely just come with an open mind and an open heart and, you know, embrace everything, immerse yourself in everything, say yes to everything while you're here. Hmm. Some of the best experiences I had are because I said yes when I wanted to say no. And <laughs> I ended up loving it, meeting new people. Yeah. So do that. Um, and yeah, there's pretty much for Ghana, I'll say there are little rules, but I think when studying abroad, you'll just learn as you go. <laughs> as far as like Ubers and how to navigate, get around, how Ghana runs. So um, if you want to get a master's abroad, I would say to do your research, find out what your end goal is, whether it's being a nurse, a police officer, a doctor, engineer, and find a program that will literally pay for you to go to school and see how you can combine that with the international component in some way, whether it's like an internship involved, getting your degree abroad. Um, there's so many programs out there that people don't know about. And it's just time for people to, you know, definitely take advantage and be able to have these different experiences for free. Mm-hmm. We pay for enough in this life, so yeah. it's free. <laughs> and, and ain't that the truth? Yes, I, so yeah, that would be my biggest advice. And don't be afraid to. I always say, create your own path. Right. Um, I think I'm the only person in my fellowship who decided to go abroad. And it was really hard at first talking to people about my decision to come to Ghana because it just felt like negativity. Like, oh, well, are you going to be able to make connections? You know, with international relations, like Washington, D.C. is like the hub yeah, for that is. stuff and yeah. diplomacy. So like, are you going to be able to make connections while you're in Ghana? Will it benefit you? Will-? And I'm like... <laughs> I feel like that's another thing. Sometimes people try to be so overly strategic that they miss out on great opportunities. Like, yeah. this is an amazing opportunity. And in two years, it's not going to really matter where I went to school, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah. do what's best for you and create your own path, whatever that looks like for you. Um, yeah. For me, I just knew I did not want to be in a U.S. education system. And I needed a little bit of a break, especially with everything going on. Mm-hmm. the past few years so yeah don't be afraid to you know what you want you know what's best for you so just go for it and talk to other people who have done that same thing yeah i think you interviewed someone actually um paige mariah yeah i love 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 her youtube channel yeah me too <laughs> i watch her and i'm like she just reminds me even though i didn't end up going to london and it wasn't really on the list i just love like how that worked out for her mm-hmm Mm. so yes yeah she's um i think you both are really great examples of what you just described of um doing what's best for you and (laughs) what you said about people wondering if you were gonna make enough connections or the right connections going to ghana it reminded me of um i interviewed someone who was a foreign service officer um she works in a different i think she works in tech now but she i think her first assignment was in nigeria and like West Nigeria. And um, mm. when she got assigned that, people were like, oh, are you going to be okay? Like they were almost disappointed for her. And she was like, yeah. no, I'm really excited about this. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Like, this is great. <laughs> and Lagos actually has a very great reputation among 
well, I can say black officers at least, because mm. I've heard that before where they're like, I love Legos, we love Legos, but it has like that negative reputation, mm. I feel like worldwide, like Nigeria is just one of those countries where people just automatically think negative sometimes Yeah, as the first thought. Yeah. It was like, like you said earlier, if you let people deter you, then you wouldn't be where you're at now. And where you're at now seems pretty amazing. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, for sure. Um, I think I asked you all the questions. I have one, I have one remaining question, but, um, besides that, I think I asked you everything I wanted to ask you, but I wanted to see if, there was anything I might have missed that you wanted to share about your um, your experiences in Ghana? I guess, you know, how can I put this? <laughs> I could cover a lot of great points, but I want to say someone did say something. I interviewed someone for this article, and she was, her name is Erica Daniel. She was saying how basically like you don't have to come to Ghana because you hate the US or like that doesn't have to be your story mm. even though it okay let me not say that because that's <laughs> 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 not my story but that's not what I have to say but basically I don't know Ghana just comes with so much like so much ups and downs and I never want to create this like perfect picture this picture-perfect image, I guess, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. that everything is all roses here, and I moved to Ghana, and I'm around other black people, so my life is 100%, because there are definitely rough days, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, this is not Europe, where most people go to, so the adjustment is very rough, and it looks very different, mm-hmm. um, and every day is a new adventure, but there's also some real struggles um, so I think that's definitely a personal journey that people who want to come to Ghana and live abroad or school abroad here will have to experience for themselves. That's why I say come with an open heart and figure out why you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you um, being real about that. Yeah, because um, I guess it ties back to what we were talking about, about like the motherland and having a sense of, of home. Because I, I definitely have seen, you know, especially since the year of the return in 2019, but I would say um, definitely since uh, 2016 when 45 was elected and, you know, going back decades and decades, the sense among Black people, Black Americans, I guess seeing, seeing moving to Africa as an escape um, mm-hmm. and as a solution to the ills and the sense of just like not belonging anywhere that we experience here. Yeah, I think as you've demonstrated, there are merits to moving to an African country, in your case, Ghana specifically, but it's not it's not a fairy tale. Like you said, it's not gonna <laughs> magically make oh, yeah. everything okay. Um it's, it's still acceptance. a real place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that acceptance that so many people look for also looks different here as well. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not so. what everyone thinks. So. Uh, so my last question for you is where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? Yes. Um, if you want to keep up with my travel journeys, I'm currently actually doing a Living in Ghana series where I'm going to talk about apartment hunting, furniture hunting, <laughs> 
everything that has to do with living in Ghana or as much as I can mm-hmm. and just tips and guides about my travels will all be on beingchristinajane.com um, and then my Instagram is also beingchristinajane and then I have a new Twitter <laughs> that is beingcjwrites for my writing portfolio and career that I'm trying to kick off um, so yeah definitely connect with me on socials and read the blog for more information yeah being Christina Jane or um, being CJ Wrights, that's uh, specifically for your Twitter account. Yes. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I wish you well in all your many endeavors, even more than I realized you had before we started this conversation. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited for this cycle of um, scholarships to see what that's going to look like. Reviewing those applications. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just keep up the good work is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> thank you. It means a lot, honestly. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Highlight of my day. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. You know, I I, um, I hope to make this a an enjoyable process for people, you know, coming on and being on the show. So I'm glad I could... <laughs> Um, yeah, I felt very calm. I was very nervous about, like, when I have to speak. Anytime I have to speak, I'm like, oh, God, I hope this comes out the way that it's in my head. Oh, I feel you. Honestly, that's me all the time. Even still, even doing this for as long as I have, as many times as I have, I'm still nervous every time. So I completely feel you. But, um, no, I think you've been great. Um, it's been really wonderful listening to you. I, I think you did great. So there's no worries there. <laughs> I will let you go because it is getting pretty deep in the night for you over there. So <laughs> um, I will let you thank go. You. But thank you so much for your time. And um, I'll keep in touch. Okay. You will be hearing from me for yes. sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a good night or day. Yes. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Take care, Christina. <laughs> All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Christina for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And also, don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on YoungGiftedAndAbroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young, Gifted, and Abroad wherever podcasts are. And you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you leave ratings and reviews. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So, for the next episode, in two weeks, the guest will be someone who studied in Belgium and who has been living in Sweden since 2006 (laughs) and who has, for over a decade, been running a platform for black women living in Europe. So you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks. But, until then, thank you so much for listening and... Talk to you next time.